Hello from Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the 401 Access Denied podcast, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or a review on your platform of choice, or by emailing us at podcast at delinea.com. From all of us at Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. It's the 401 Access Denied podcast. And I have a very special guest on the show today. I'm really excited to have a chat with and uh, talk about uh, her journey into the cybersecurity industry. So today, the awesome guest we have is Emma Heffernan. And who she is a security analyst with Edgecan based in Ireland, I think Dublin. <laughs> um, yeah. And congratulations as well for being highly commended in, as, as finalists and this year's Cybersecurity Student of the Year Award. And also to EdgeScan as well for getting the best vulnerability management solution at this year's SC Awards Europe 2020. And it's a really awesome achievement. That's amazing um, to, to get recognized, uh, even as a finalist, and well done. And I thought the, the SC Awards, I thought they did a great show this year, given that it was done virtually um, in a virtual event. So it's always difficult to convert and do something and get everyone involved. So I thought they did a fantastic job into uh, getting it live and getting a broadcast and continue on. We have to continue with some type of normality as much as we possibly can. So on, I want to talk about your journey and some of your experiences and some things that you can share with the audience into lessons learned and maybe recommendations for anyone who's interested in also joining into the industry. So let's get started with your cybersecurity journey. The first thing I want to get into is, is what got you interested? What was, what was the trigger that got you interested in cybersecurity? So um, thanks for having me, Joseph. Um, and I'm an honor to be here. Um, so what got me into cybersecurity was I actually always wanted to be a maths teacher when I was in school. And, you know, loving equations and stuff like that was kind of very mathematical. And, you know, wasn't very into theory or English. It was just not a thing. Same with computers. we done the ECDL course as mm -hmm. part of our transition year so that's like our fourth year here um, and that kind of sparked the interest at first and then I kind of was like oh this is, you know cool and then during my fourth and fifth and sixth year of school um, there were cyber security camps held in the college that I attend now mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of you know myself and my cousin went and we had a bit of fun and got to meet some of the lecturers there and they got to tell us about the courses and you know there wasn't very many women lectures so mm -hmm. it was kind of a bit daunting to find out oh you know like you know 15 male lectures and no female it was kind of a bit oh this might be an area to look at so I um, came to my leaving search year and I ended up ill during my um final year exams so I didn't really know what I wanted to do maths mm -hmm. teaching was kind of off the course at that stage <laughs> and points wise so we go by a point system here in Ireland mm -hmm. um I kind of I didn't make the cut for the maths one as such but I uh, took my cybersecurity course and Ever since, I've kind of loved it. You know, first two years of the course were very general. So it was a lot of mm -hmm. programming, you know, just the general, a bit of game design. And then kind of third year is when we specialized in cybersecurity. So and within the last year, I've kind of delved into the security, I've joined Twitter a bit more, trying to be more engaging with people. And I think from there, meeting people through Twitter was a massive um, mm -hmm. massive help for me because I got to meet so many other students that are in the same area and you know you're learning loads um but what got me really interested was my dad is in the industry and then my okay. uncle's in the industry mm -hmm. so you know to hear their experience and see how 
successful they're doing it's kind of an eye-opener like and then you know the first grandchild of both of my sides of my family of first person to get a degree so it's a it's a massive um you know everyone's looking up to me to try and teach them and show them the ways and you know cyber security just seems like the best option right now for anyone that's trying to look for a career path to take like if I had to talk math teaching I wouldn't be here today on a podcast for yourself and True. <laughs> you know I wouldn't be doing half the stuff I do so you know it, it's grateful like sometimes you have your d- disadvantages and your advantages but uh cyber security it's definitely like my dad is an inspiration to me so I look mm-hmm. up to him for you know what he does and what I can do in the future so yeah cyber security that's kind of how I got in that's fantastic. I mean, when I'm listening to it, Nate, I have very similar background as well. You know, maths was my thing as well at school. I was horrible at languages, and I still am, even though I'm based, <laughs> I'm based in Estonia, um, and the local language here is Estonian. Um, my capability of languages is non-existent. I can get through in life, <laughs> but maths is, is, is where my passion is. is num- numbers and bits and zeros and ones. Um, and yeah. also similar as well. You know, well, definitely my family's not in security, so maybe you you've a little bit probably easier approach where you have you become the security support person for the family now <laughs> that everyone asks you for <laughs> should i be shopping online and doing it safely or, or becoming the support person um which normally everyone becomes yeah like i think cyber is a great industry to just fall into you know like it wasn't something i wanted to do i didn't have it planned mm-hmm. and then kind of just you know first two weeks of the course i was kind of like, oh should i drop out or stay and you know, three years later, I'm still here and I'm going into my final year now. And it's, you know, something I don't look back on and say, oh, I wish I'd done this instead. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely no regrets. And it definitely is a fun industry. That's And, and as, you, as you mentioned, the more you get exposed to the community and the people in the industry, they're very welcoming and very, you know, fun and uh, um, very passionate about what they do and, and willing to always help. So, it is definitely a very close community, even though everyone's spread around the world. And a lot of my peers I speak to are either, you know, they're in Japan, they're in North America, Latin America, they're all over Europe, um, even Australia. And, uh, you know, we still stay connected. We still communicate even through all the time zones. So it is a great community. And it's definitely from a cybersecurity perspective, it's always learning as well. So one, one thing I wanted to ask you as well was I see you participated in a number of Capture the Flag events. And uh, kind of what, what got you interested in Capture the Flag and which part of the Capture the Flag events? And, and would you recommend those who's getting into the industry to participate in them? Yeah, so I'm cybersecurity, like the cybersecurity camps that yeah. I attended back in secondary school, they, they kind of, they were Capture the Flags, but for like, you know, not kids, but like yeah. just middle-aged people trying to get into college and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of, sparked the interest and then through college there's one of the lectures runs his own ctf company so he kind of you know he said a lot about it and you know kind of opened the eyes to the students so i attended in first year of my uh, first year Mm -hmm. of college and you know it was good and i think we came top 20 or something when the thing and it was a massive achievement because we'd never this were first ctf Mm -hmm. um and then second year we done it again and we came top 10 so or no we came top three sorry um and then this year it was cancelled because of yes. um, the coronavirus. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like getting into capture flag events, like massive. My uncle's a huge advocate for uh, like capture flag events, getting students in, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to learn from one another. It's like I don't know, they're massive, um, massive events to just learn skills. Like I think getting down and you know, 
talking to peers and getting to learn new skills from them or something you might have picked up that they didn't. And, you know, you're always learning and there's always challenges within the CTF that are very, like, uh, realistic. So you're kind of thinking, oh, am I exploiting whatever here? But really, it's on a virtual environment. So you're not actually doing anything harmful. You're just developing your skill set. But um, why I got involved was just more as a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. Just boredom you know sitting at home and <laughs> you can't keep studying theory all the time so it's kind of nice to just switch off and play a ctf or you know do one one or two challenges and mm-hmm. you know you learn you could learn a lot in one challenge so it could be one skill that you learned that will help you in your career or you know anything it might help you on that one problem that you have on your computer that's not working or mm-hmm. you know vice versa there's um there's tons like I've learned a lot and through doing CTFs like I've started using Linux a lot more and you know they're massive skills to have burp sweep and stuff and especially yeah. for pen testing and work it's uh it's massive skills to have like and if you're going to do them I think everyone should just jump in head first don't be like oh I don't have the skill set to jump in and do a capture the flag because that's what you hear all the time um, yeah, I completely agree one of, the, one of the things I've always said you know I've hired I don't know tens of hundreds of people over the years in security industry and my main focus is not about their technical skills, but mostly about their willingness to learn and openness to learn. And I always find that if I can get people who, who's willing to learn new things, the technical skills can easily, you know, you, you, can, you can pass that knowledge along. And that becomes much more, you know, they, they can continue, it becomes continuous learning. And I completely agree. I used to be a mentor for the uh, Cyber Olympics for the Estonian team. So I would go and give them, you know, different trainings in different areas. And even sometimes when I'm, you know, participating with the team and doing those training events, that I learn a lot as well from the team because, you know, there's only so much that my knowledge and skill can go to as well. So I, absolutely, there's different people that focus in different areas that you can actually learn those skills from. So the community side and participating and sharing, I think, is is completely critical. Um, and yeah, it's a shame. I think I wish I had more time to be able to spend on capsule flags than, than I do, um, because I really do enjoy. I mean, platforms. I love uh, Hack the Box. Uh, that's one of my favorite ones to, to participate in. And even some of my uh, peers here in Estonia, uh, Rangeforce, have their own educational online one as well. And that used to be part of the. You know, even even when you're starting off, we we do have the capsule flag events for learning and educational side. But even here in Estonia, they have the yearly event, which is Lock Shields which is, uh, I guess, is capture the flag for the, for the government's army, uh, where they really get into the real, you know, the war for a side of things. So absolutely, I think there's a lot to learn from those events. And, and there's a lot, sometimes you can spend hours and days in, in a problem, <laughs> scratching yeah. your head, trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden it becomes some simple thing that you've just, you've got so deep into something that you, you need to step back a bit. So yeah, what, like Go ahead. Massively, like just like another thing was um, last last year, the end of last year, we uh, went to the European Cybersecurity Challenge. So that was like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, all the countries come together and compete against one another. But uh, that was a massive one to like go through all the qualifiers through the whole of summer and then to get mm-hmm. onto the team. And, you know, you're still there scratching your head trying to look at the challenge and like, how do you solve this? You know, so yeah, definitely um, head scratchers are CTFs for sure. Like, yeah, yeah you learn lots. But, they're um, good puzzles. I've enjoyed the ones that you were sharing, even on on Twitter. <laughs> it got it got me getting a pencil and paper out, going, okay, I need to solve this. Because <laughs> I, I, for me, yeah. I, I I'm my my background. I'm a problem solver, and when I when I see yeah. a problem, I just have to get my hands on it and start you know start fiddling around and start solving it. So what do you think? Go ahead. Yeah, no, like just the challenges. I think they're kind of good to 
keep your brain active, you know, and thinking, you know, especially during quarantine, we're not really using our brain as such, maybe work and whatever else, but uh, other than that, we're not really doing much else, are we? Or depending on where you are, I suppose, in Ireland, we're not really allowed out anywhere, so. Yeah, here yeah. in Estonia, it's a bit more back to, literally it's back to normal pretty much in Estonia. Um, so after the, I think it was 18th of May, pretty much everyone's back out the streets, shops are opened, um, everything's kind of back to normal, except the only thing was alcohol shuts at 10 o'clock at night. That was the one where they were really strict about. So so the bars close, at least in, in my office area, at 10 p.m. Um, and now they've opened up the borders uh, to several countries as well. So, so it's kind of slowly moving back. But the, there's a com- funny, funny comment in Estonia, though, is that uh, after, after quarantine ended um, and people started coming back to kind of normal, the funny thing is Estonia is now saying, oh, thank goodness, you know, I couldn't stand that two-meter distance. Now we can go back <laughs> to our normal five-meter distance apart because North Estonians are very normally very distant and social anyway. So um, it's kind of always kind of trying to keep the entertainment side of things. Yeah. One next, my next question I have is around, you know, because I've been in this now for getting, touching 30 years in the industry. Um, I didn't always start in, in cybersecurity. My, my background was always in kind of infrastructure or in doing, you know, data analysts, uh, you know, not security analysts. Back then when I started, it was data analysts. Um, and security was sometimes a key to the door where the server was. Um, but it's such a big industry. There's so many parts. There's so many kind of, let's say, you know, uh, different subject matter expert areas. You know, that you've got development side of things you've got the code pen testing side you've got the web interfaces you've got infrastructure um is there a specific area in that you find most interesting um in the security industry um no it's a tough one because in college it's so broad that we study Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of i haven't delved into one area that i really really want to do Um, because every area kind of seems interesting i like the side of forensics and Mm -hmm. you know i don't know i think pen testing is where i am at the moment and it's kind of problem solving you know you're you're just digging and looking for the problems um i don't know i'm not 100 sure where i want to go i haven't really focused Mm -hmm. in on an area um i don't know forensics and pen testing are kind of my favorite at the moment if i was to pick two um but yeah, like massive web development, or not web development, like web applications mm-hmm. and, you know, bug bounties and stuff are kind of something I want to get into. Um, so it's kind of, obviously, pen testing is the area. So, um, but yeah, I'm kind of, I don't really have a, a lot to comment on that because mm-hmm. I don't actually know where I want to go. I'm still at that stage where, you know, I could go from one area to the next or, you know, not 100% sure just yet. Okay. No, there's always time. You've you've got plenty of time ahead. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, there is so many parts and it's good to get in positions where you can get exposed to different areas that you learn as well. Um, you know, from my side, I've been different roles over the years. So I've been exposed to pretty much everything and every, you know, anything that you can do. Um, and what I did learn over that time is I'm not a very good programmer. (laughs) So so you you, you do learn the things that you do enjoy and the time that you spend on things. Um, and you learn the things that you you know are not good at as well, so you can try to can avoid them as well. Um, but in pen testing as well, one thing I did find is that a lot of people kind of from the outside in they don't realize that in the background there's so much paperwork, preparation, testing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much of the kind of they you know. But my friends sometimes ask me what I do, and they say, "Oh, that's fantastic!" And they see my office and labs and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, that's really cool." But they don't really understand that. Sometimes the really active part is like 10, 20% of your job. 
and a lot of it is documenting, scoping, getting the assumptions and stuff. So, so there is a lot of aspects that uh, uh, people... And I think that's a massive downfall in the cybersecurity industry, just like you have like these hundreds of people that are very technical, but no one can write a documentation. And if you can't <laughs> document your findings, then what good is it being technical, you know? So I don't know. We kind of learned that this year through our thesis, like we had a group thesis and, mm-hmm. you know, there's two very technical people on the team, but I'd be more, I'd be technical, but not, you know, overly technical. And I'd be better at report writing and stuff like that, just because I do it and work all the time. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of showed at the end who was more, good at technical but not so much good at writing and you know you kind of you develop those and you learn his skills and you know that's kind of something you have to just learn though isn't it it is important because it's important to document really really you know accurately and correctly that was actually one of my my fails in the past when i was actually doing doing my work what i would tend to do is i was a very technical person but i also would document but i wouldn't share my documentation with anyone it was always like I was a perfectionist in many regards. So I was like, no, yeah. I'm not going to share with there because I'm not quite sure if it's perfect yet. And I would not share until it was perfect. And a very important lesson I learned over time is that um, it was important to share earlier and share as much as possible, but be very clear that it's not finished. It's still work in progress. So that was always the lesson I learned. And, and that helped me definitely from improving my document skills to areas that I needed to, to, to focus in. So, what the next question kind of moving into now is what um, challenges do you find? Um, or have you had any challenges along the way? And I've also you know, seen um, your recent tweets about uh, VI. Um, some, some, some things that uh, just don't change in the industry. <laughs> and, v, and VI is definitely one of them. Um, you know, you can, you can paint pictures around it. You can change it in different interfaces and approaches. Uh, but VI is VI. And, uh, you also mentioned your switch to, to Linux as well. Um, you know, what, what things is, you know, from, from a VI standpoint, have you found it interesting and challenging? And uh, what also that switch over to Linux, um, has it been a uh, beneficiary? Yeah, so um, I just think, you know, like going challenges that I've come across will be more so being one of, I think there's only two other girls on the entire, entire course, but that's like between third and fourth year. So it's, you know, it's a challenge in itself being the only girl because you kind of have to not really prove yourself, but the guys kind of think, you know, oh, she's just a girl. She doesn't really have skills. And it's, you know, you have to prove them wrong. So you're trying to prove yourself. And it's kind of, it's tough and it still happens in, nowadays, especially on Twitter as well. You have a lot of people would be green-eyed monsters, as I call them. You know, oh, yeah. they're just going to be jealous people out there. So you kind of, you have to brush them off and pick yourself back up. So I think... That'd be one challenge I'd have, you know, people trying to bring you down, um, especially if they don't know you and you don't know your skills. It's kind of, it's tough. Um, but I think other challenges, just women in general, like there's not many women in security. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a tough one to try and get people into the industry. And I think at the moment it's going to be even tougher because everyone's at home and, you know, you can't mm-hmm. meet up and tell your friends all the cool stuff you're doing, I suppose. You can mm-hmm. do Zoom calls and whatnot, but it's just not the same. You know, just don't get to, show your skills off and try mm-hmm. and teach other people like that's a massive thing like i have a younger brother that's only 10 and you know trying to teach him some cybersecurity course stuff and mm-hmm. you know it's kind of it's a challenge in itself because you just can't show your skills you can't share with people um but i think you know lockdown has kind of opened my eyes I've, mm-hmm. I've completely removed or windows off all my machines and i'm just pure linux user now it's just 
don't know. <laughs> Lockdown drove me to <laughs> Linux. Um, <laughs> I think, like, the reason I moved is because I, you know, I've run a VM on the Windows machine, and it's kind of mm-hmm. slow and annoying, and just you know, you're not getting the full feel experience, of what the yeah. Linux machine. Yeah, the experience. Um, so I think, and I, because I play a lot of CTFs, it's kind of it's important to have you know something stable yeah. there, and it's not going to always crash. And, you know, no no bad words to Windows, but it's just not there for me. Um, but I think, you know, Linux, I don't know, it's just been faster and slick. And I've downloaded uh, Linux Mint, so it's kind of, it's handy and just, you know, switch it on and does its thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really got the full experience just yet. It's only been about two months, so still okay. getting there, like, used to the whole experience. And, you know, I know I used Kali and whatever else, but it was kind of, I was more using the GUI than I was using the terminal. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I was lacking the terminal skills and the command line skills, so I'm kind of getting there at the moment and using Vim a lot and whatnot. So, yeah, it's been fun. Like, I don't know, lockdown's taught me a lot about what I should do and shouldn't do, you know, sitting down to do more hack the box or pen tester labs. And yeah, I think the challenge is not having enough time as well, you know, when you're mm-hmm. out and about working or in college or meeting up with friends or family, you know, you just don't have time to sit down and do yeah. 10 boxes on hack the box or whatever, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. But, I completely, yeah. I, I completely agree. One of the things I find is 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 learning. I, I even during the time, um, you know, as you as you say, it's it's, it's when the lockdown. I mean, I spent probably a large portion of my time throughout the year speaking and sharing my research and attending events and speaking and, and and meeting up with the peers in the industry. And it's always the great time where we start sharing some of the things we've learned and sharing some of the experiences. And right now, it's not possible this this year. I've actually went to one event, which is unusual. Yep. Actually, the most time I've spent in Estonia in a long, in in one single period of time. And uh, people have been asking me, you know, do I take visits to the airport just to go down memory lane? But um, <laughs> what I did find is that you do have to augment some of the things that you do, the way you do communicate. Um, you know, I've always been, you know, kind of writing blogs and, and writing papers and doing videos and, and these podcasts as well. To really, you know, use this as a medium to, to to share the knowledge and to to have those conversations. I think the first time we met was even on the ITSP uh, yeah. unusual gatherings, which is always uh, those are the things that really need to happen um, and keeping people communicating and keeping sharing the knowledge. And uh, you know, I really commend you, know, Sean and Marco, for for bringing those and bringing people together. That's one thing they're amazing at doing is is, yeah. is keeping the networking and keeping the communication going. Because in the lockdown that we definitely need to do that much more uh, to communicate and over-communicate in many regards. Um, and for me, one of the things I've learned as well is this, this has given me time to, to learn new things as well. So I, I've read so many books over this, this last couple of months that I would have never done in, in any other situation. I've done a lot of audiobooks as well. And if you haven't got to read uh, uh, Andy Greenberg's Sandworm, it's definitely a must. Um, yeah, it's a you know it's one of the books that I got into. It was really technical and really good and 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 accurate as well. So definitely, and the switch to Linux, um, for me, I'm a bit of a. I used to be a very deep Windows person. Excuse me. And I, I think the point was is that it, I spent 20 years of my life in Windows, and when you you know go from from DOS to you know 3.1 and right through all the different versions, you get to know it. So, so detailed and so personally that you make it work for you, <laughs> even though it has yeah. many flaws and it doesn't, it's, you know, it has many challenges, um, but you start to understand how to get around those flaws. Um, and 10 years ago, I switched to Mac as my primary um, operating system, but I do run, of course, 
the Linux Mint, which is a great, great operating system as well. Um, Ubuntu uh, for doing my SDR stuff. And so, so what, what, what I think you'll get to is eventually is that you'll have one primary, but yeah. you'll, you'll be in, working with multiple. It'll either be Kali or you'll be using Parrot. Um, you'll be still having to use Windows because a lot of the uh, even pen testing tools only run on Windows as well. So you have to have some type of Windows uh, yeah. experience as well. So, But it's good to see that you know switching the, to Linux and uh, it will definitely you know, get you into using the command a lot more and a lot more of the- I think the like with Linux, I've um, I found a lot of stuff that don't run on Linux, but they work on Windows and I kind of do have to switch back to my mm -hmm. laptop. So I, my laptop's just purely uh, Windows, but I use Linux and everything else. Um, but just, you know, you can't use Microsoft Word on Linux. So it's kind of a bit of <laughs> pain. You can use it in the browser, but it's just not the same. Yeah. Um, so you kind of yeah you do have pitfalls in Linux as well. It's it's still a, a stable um, OS, but it's just not doesn't yeah. have everything you need. Yeah, so it's, I agree. Yeah, that's the challenge. Is they end up you know I'm running virtual machine after virtual machine after virtual machine, and, <laughs> and then you start and you have the backups of those virtual machines, and then can, maintaining version control and maintaining patch updates and stuff. It just becomes a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So the next thing I've got is that, you know, in the industry and even myself, um, you know, even though I've been, you know, in, for a long time, that there's mentors who's helped me along the way many times. Um, is there any mentors that you've helped that's helped you along this journey? Um, you mentioned your father and, and uncle um, are in the industry as well. But if you have any mentors that's really kind of um, helped advise you and provide feedback and, and, and help you know, provide some direction or some, uh, you know, knowledge. Yeah, so I'm um, no well. Like last year, last summer was kind of uh, I kicked off myself and kind of just got myself out there. But uh, November, so there was IrisCon on um, mm -hmm. Brian Honan's event. So uh, I reached out on Twitter just saying like, oh, I had a talk that I wanted to present, but I had nowhere to present it at. Uh, and Brian reached out and kind of he was like, oh, I'd love you to come and speak and be our emerging expert. You know, new mm -hmm. category for a newbie to come along. So uh, it was kind of an honor to be invited by you know such an incredible person that's you know i looked up to him in the industry mm -hmm. and he's not so far away from the college as well like his business kind of on the campus so every time i'm in you know you'd see brian walking around or whatever so you'd have a chat with him but um yeah he gave me a lot of guidance mm -hmm. coming up to the event and teach me like oh this is how you do public speaking or you know gave my glance through the slides and we done walkthroughs and he kind of he taught me how to do public speaking and getting yourself out there so he was a Mm -hmm. Definitely a mentor to me. Um, okay. And then Tanya Jenka. So mm -hmm. she hacks purple on Twitter. Like the woman <laughs> is phenomenal. <laughs> I reached out to her last year and kind of, you know, we were chatting a little bit mm -hmm. and that was it. And then more I would watch her tweets and stuff like that. We got chatting more and she invited me onto uh, some of her live streams. And, you know, she stood up for me there like recently. So, mm -hmm. you know, she's just supportive and always has your back, you know, and looking out for people. And yeah, her, her stuff is amazing as well. Like, and, there's just so many other people that I could name you know and the list is kind of endless like same with Sean and Marco maybe not so much direct help but you know mm -hmm. through the podcasts and stuff inviting me on and offering to do my own podcast like it's been mm -hmm. a massive um a massive help you know kind of something I wouldn't have thought of until they reached out to me so it's kind of it's hard to just pinpoint one person as an excellent mentor because mm -hmm. everyone's just been amazing and everyone's willing especially everyone in the industry or twitter and yourself as well like you know just to reach out and ask for help it's uh it's massive so 
That's fantastic. I mean, there's, there's so many people out there as well. And, you know, and ironically, Brian's my mentor as well. So Brian, I don't know if you know, but me and Brian, Brian was my manager 20 years ago. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> uh, so it is a small world and you do have people that, you know, that, you know, around the industry that really does help, you know, continue that, you know, mentorship. So, um, so absolutely, you know, he's, such a great friend and amazing person. So it's great to hear that. And you answered my next question as well, which is around you know any specific events <laughs> that you attended, uh, yeah. and you know anything that surprised you around that as well. So yeah. my next, so you said Ariscom was your first event you spoke at. Then yeah, so. my first um, my first proper like security conference to speak mm-hmm. at. But I've spoke at like many cyber events throughout like maybe college or you know I run the OWASP Dublin chapter with another girl Denise so mm-hmm. the two of us kind of you know she gave me an opportunity to get involved and you know get up and speak in front of people so it's a uh, it's massive I can't say I could stand up in front of a massive crowd but it's it's daunting as well um I think you know from my past events attend I've gone to B-Sides Dublin and mm-hmm. volunteered at a lot of events as well and it's great to see you know everyone some people are speaking for the first time and you get to learn from what they've done or mm-hmm. the professional speakers that are there you know 20 years or you know it's massive um yeah Irishcom was my first one to officially speak at and then kind of after that it's just been you know whatever I can get involved with I'm happy to get involved um but other conferences I'd recommend like I went to Black Hat last year I got a scholarship mm-hmm. for training um so that was massive like and you know it is very vendory but it's, it you still very, learn a lot. It is very vendor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you definitely, you still learn a lot. Like I've met a lot of people coming home from Black Cat, you know, and it was massive. Um, mm-hmm. My next one is DEFCON. I'm definitely trying to go. Um, this miss, year was meant to be the year. But. Yeah, I miss, I'm missing it. I, I always I always do Black Hat because it's of course you know, the industry you have to be there you have to be seen. But DefCon's I'm definitely going to miss DefCon this year. It's one of my favorite events to attend. Yeah. So one it's the one that least has close to the community side focus worry and, and and there's very few events that I go to now that I learn from. But DefCon still when I go I learn. So you're always looking for yeah. those ones that has that unique ability to keep you educated and keep you you know really uh, excited and looking forward to meeting the, the uh, peers as well. So, yeah, that's like, it's one thing I've heard from other people, you know, they've not really given out, but they're just saying, you know, the little local conferences, you're not really learning a lot more, but yeah. the likes of DEF CON, you're definitely uh, learning something new. So absolutely, that's good to hear though. You know? is, so is there any, do you follow any blogs or podcasts or websites that you kind of learn from? Is there anything that you would, you know, say is a good source of material for you? Um, well, I definitely think, you know, the uh, Darknet Diaries is a good mm-hmm. one to listen to, you know, a lot of interesting stories. Um, and then Sean and Marco's ITSP magazine, there's a few different um, episodes or mm-hmm. what do you want to call them, like different podcast uh, episodes or, you know, so like there's a lot on there to learn from. from. Um, what else? Like, See, I kind of, I follow people on Twitter for their knowledge and what they share mm-hmm. as well. So it's kind of hard to just pinpoint which one, but if I was to pick one, probably Tanya's uh, She Hacks Purple, her new website with AppSec, yep. like absolutely phenomenal. I think it's only like $7 or something. A month, mm-hmm. same same price as a cup of coffee, you know. Um, so yeah, like definitely Tanya's page. Two, two cups um, of coffee in Estonia. <laughs> two cups, <laughs> not in Starbucks though. Yeah. Oh, we don't have Starbucks, <laughs> so oh, but a few places. Missing out. Get out of it, get, get, um, exclude it from it. So. Yeah, so I think I, d- I definitely think uh, Tanya's page is mm-hmm. one of the best to look at, and then if you're looking for resources, probably Pentester Labs is one I definitely try or Pico CT. CTF for CTF challenges and stuff. Mm-hmm. So 
there's tons of resources out there. It's kind of hard to just pinpoint one that you should stick to because each each um each resource will have something different to give. So mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. No, I think those are some great ones, and I'm really I haven't listened to the latest one with FC on Darknet Diaries. That's one that I'm, I'm looking forward to. So. Yeah, Freaky, I think Freaky Clown was on the latest one, so that's one. Yeah, that's one of the best. I'm still on my my to do list. So one of the things as well, you know, what advice would you give someone who's starting in the industry? What would you recommend a good place to start, or you know, what would be the the journey you would recommend to take? Well, I definitely think the first thing is don't give up. You know, if I had given up, I wouldn't be here. So mm-hmm. I definitely think don't give up and just keep trying. If it seems difficult, then it's it's a challenge. Take it on and you know, you're going to overcome it. And I've seen a, a quote on Twitter. Um, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you should leave that room. And it's definitely something to stick by. You know, if, if you feel like you know everything, then you're not in the right room. You need to go and learn from someone else and, you know, constantly learn. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, like, I don't know, it's a point in the right direction is tough because not everyone in the industry has a degree. But I think if you're going to do something, definitely try and get, some sort of cybersecurity degree behind your back mm. and just have something there that you can, you know, go learn from and, you know, just an achievement for yourself. I think, you know, at the end of the day, like it's what you want to do, what you want to get out of it. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough to say, go get a degree, you know, not everyone has a degree and they're still successful. So. And in some places it's, it's also challenging as well, you know, whether, you know, you can get access to it, you know, some countries, you know, financially yeah. as well, that might be costly. So, so I, I agree. I think for me, I think one of the things is absolutely is, is, you know, getting into people in the industry, you know, um, learning, you know, doing some type of um, kind of, related topic as well it doesn't have to be into cybersecurity but it can also be something related to it or technology or it can be programming it could be development um even today one of the things we're, we're finding is that we need more people who have social skills you know to the point of, of documenting and communicating yeah. so you know it's really important to be you know and you've seen a lot of really from the social engineering side taking off as well so um yeah. people people who can talk and and, and um you know hack humans in, in some regards so um, so there's definitely a lot of areas that people can get into and I agree, uh, you know, sometimes degrees, you can probably even take shorter steps into taking more specific, more shorter term degrees, um, or, um, courses that can help you get your foothold as well. Yeah. So. Like, and I definitely think one thing is to make sure your technical skills are as good as your soft skills and, you know, your communication. So yeah, definitely that's, it's a big must, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. This is awesome. And I actually would love to have more time to talk with you a lot more in the future. Um, so we should definitely, you know, um, don't be shy. You always reach out and communicate with me. I'm always happy to have a chat. And again, congratulations on the recognition of the SE Awards. That's fantastic. And it's you know, well-deserved um, to be recognized. And, and uh, uh, maybe not a champagne moment, but definitely time for, you know, some, some celebrations for sure. And, you know, thanks for joining me in the show today. It's been a pleasure having you. Um, so it's awesome to get to chat with you as well because you know, we chatted informally during the St. Patrick's Day celebrations, which uh, yeah. was always fun. And I'm pretty sure our listeners are really going to, you know, really learn a lot from this. And uh, hopefully, you know, they will inspire some people to to be the next generation in the future where you will become their mentor as well. So um, thank you for being on the show today. It's a pleasure having you. And uh, you know, you'll do great things and absolutely never give up. It's you know. If we're giving up, we're only giving up ourselves. Um, so it's important to make sure that you, you, you know, stick to it, stick to it and, 
keep going and uh, and work hard and, and enjoy it and along the way as well. So thank you for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, it's been an honor and it's great to jump on and have a chat as well. So. This podcast is brought to you by Delinea, the number one privileged access management solution for enterprises with complex hybrid IT environments. You can get our free ebook, Privileged Access Management for Dummies, by visiting us at delinea.com slash PAM for Dummies. That's delinea.com forward slash PAM, the number four, dummies. From all of us at Delinea, thanks for listening.